Welcome to the Meeting Your Soul podcast. I'm Farrah, your host, and as always, I am delighted that you're here. It means so much to me that you tune in with me each week, and even if you're just tuning in for the first time, thanks for joining, and I hope you find this episode exciting, interesting, and you get to take away a few nuggets from it. And we're actually going to discuss the concept of flow, or being in a flow state. And this was probably the most popularized by the Hungarian psychologist, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. Oh, did I say that right? I've been practicing this so many times. Hold on. I'm going to just do my Google um, thing because I've been like repeating it over and over just because, you know, it's not the most common of names. And I am just trying to make sure that I'm not butchering it and I want to be respectful because he is a very well-respected and very well-known psychologist. If you research anything about flow state, he'll immediately pop up. So here we go. Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. Mm. Mm. Okay, so he um, has really dove into this topic and has done an immense amount of research and, and collected as much data as you can possibly imagine about how to support, how to cultivate the state of flow, how to achieve it, how to find it, and then how to actually integrate it within your entire life. And I find it fascinating. It was something that I dove into when I started practicing yoga because yoga was probably the first time I really understood what it meant to find the state of flow. And when I say state of flow, it's like, you are completely present, if that's like a, a keyword for you. You are not thinking about anything. You're not trying to anticipate the next move. It's almost like you're in the state of surrender or as Bruce Lee calls it, like moving like water. You're just kind of like naturally and seamlessly moving from one action to the next without this expectation or even the inner dialogue, our internal dialogue that's kind of like ushering through us through the process. But it's this amazing immense amount of joy, um, harmony, even like almost peace within you that you're able to access and cultivate as you continue to do whatever exercise you're doing or whatever activity that you're doing. So a lot of the research that I've read about, it tends to be associated with physical activity. Is that absolutely the case? Not at all. Like if you think about a chess player or a surgeon or even someone that's an artist that's creating a painting or a musician, there's so many different ways to access this. And a lot of references goes back to Albert Einstein, who was really known for when he was um, like solving a mathematical problem and he would get stumped, he would actually play the violin, which he was ex very experienced violinist and that that would help him actually well and it did two things one it helped him kind of get out of his head and the kind of that forcing that pressing the analytical side of our brains that can really keep drilling in and that ego that kind of pokes up and it's like you should figure this out it's this it's so obvious it must be I, I can find the answer and it's more of like that more receptive creative side to be able to tap into to be able to change the frame, to reframe something, to shift perspectives, to be able to look at something slightly differently in a way that maybe no one else has before, but you're inspired. You know, we kind of tap into that internal wisdom, that internal source that can help guide us. So I think one of the misconceptions, especially when, um, it's, at least when I was thinking about it, was like, oh, this should be instant. I could, why I should be able to find this doing anything that's super fun and blah, blah, blah. But like in actuality, really being able to achieve flow is being able to do something 
over on a repetitive basis practice so many times that it becomes natural. Like you think of someone like walking, like as a child, when they first learn, are learning to walk, they fall a lot. They're kind of topsy-turvy. They're not, you know, stable, but then over time it becomes automatic. It becomes something that's very natural for us to do. And we can do it without thinking. It can be also for a lot of people, very therapeutic exercise that we're able to kind of turn our brains off and just move. And we don't have to analyze each step or where our feet are doing and where our toes are each time we move, right? So this also can come up for someone who is, um, you know, is um, a tennis player or, you know, they're able to like get in Serena Williams. I'm sure she's getting in the flow every single time she hits the court, right? Like she's able, she's done, she's volleyed, she's, um, uh, what is the word? I'm, um, served a million fucking balls in her life. I'm sure. Right. And so because she's done that so many times, she's able to do it in this very natural and she's refined. She's like honed in so into every meticulous piece of it, but the real magic, the real essence and like the, the, what kind of gives you that one step above is when we're able to tap into that creative side of it, when we're able to tap into the divine nature that's within us that can help us make it unique each time to make it not um, like so, um, um, was it practiced or um, rehearsed? You know, like sometimes when we do something so many times, we almost get into autopilot. So I know for like, especially I teach yoga. So when I'm able to go into a class and I'm able to like drop in, I actually have a few rituals to help me do that, but I'm able to drop in. I'm able to be fully present to what's going on to me. I'm able to access that more intuitive state. And then I'm able to move through the class in this very natural kind of like progression. But that took time for me to be able to do. Like I've taught probably over a thousand classes at this point in my life. And like for me to be able to speak from my heart only came after I had a foundation to work from. So over practice, over, you know, repeating something, doing it over and over, failing, learning, growing, becoming better, becoming more natural, like all of that has aided me in order for me to be able to step back, to relax, to really just be with whatever I'm doing and being exactly where my feet are. One of my um, friends and um, one of the owners of the company that I work for, Dave Jones, he was a basketball coach for a long time and he used to say, be where your feet are to the basketball players. And I found that so fascinating because it's truly to be able to like stop thinking, stop trying to look three steps ahead. You know, Michael Jordan, right before he made a basket, probably wasn't going to wasn't thinking necessarily about the reaction of the crowd afterwards. It may have been something that fueled him. It may have been like, you know, something that crosses mind at some point during the game. But like in that moment, like when Kobe is like moving in like Black Mamba state where he's like moving like water through something. And it's like, how is he moving so fluidly? That's flow state, right? Like that's when you access that. And it requires for you not to be in the future, not for you to be in the past, not for you to be in your head and what might happen or the reaction or what people might say or what you might do or what that person might like the, the, what their next move may be. It's like, I am right here. I am paying attention. Time slows down. And that's like, I I know people that go skiing and it's like, everything slows down. You're kind of looking, you're absorbing, you're witnessing everything that's going on from this more 
just like neutral place and it's it's so beautiful and i think it is one of the it's a one of the greatest gifts we can receive from life but i think that we all access this in different ways so i think everyone's different everyone you know and i think that what you get naturally pulled towards like you know my last episode was about sorry my nose is sweating I don't know why, but that's like the first place my nose starts sweating. It's been so fucking hot in Seattle the last few days. My apartment is literally feels like a little bit like a sauna, um, but we're taking it with stride. Okay. And also I'm from Seattle. So like I'll take heat any day because we all know it's going to be very rainy and cold very soon. So no biggie. Anyhow. So, uh, but there is this opportunity for us to be able to tap into this state in different avenues but it depends on you. So I would really encourage you, you can even pause the podcast and being able to like write down, when do I really stop thinking? What activity do I enjoy to where I'm fully present to it? It could also be in conversation. It could be with connecting with people. It could be, um, writing. It could be, um, you know, reading something even. It could be, um, maybe even like dreaming up something like, you know, using your imagination, like creating something in some like way, like whatever calls to you, ceramics. I don't know. Like seriously, the options are endless. It's limitless. It's like, there's a whole plethora of things that you can access this through. So really inquiring within you, really reflecting, like, when do I stop thinking? Maybe it's photography. Maybe it's singing, um, you know, and like writing out a few things and like, what can you do on a more regular basis so that you're able to access the state on, you know, like almost on command. And I think that once you're able to like kind of prep yourself and like it becomes a little bit more automatic, there is an opportunity there that we can actually live in the state on an ongoing basis. Because like, after you're in it, it usually lingers for a while. Like we're kind of like, you know, after I'm done with like, um, after like, I'm trying, I was going to say yoga class, but I already used that after I practice yoga also, it's like, that's where I like really understood that I was going into flow. And that's when I started researching it because I felt so good afterwards. Like I felt like I was able to access like creative problem solving about my life. I felt like I was able to like, it was the one hour of the day where I wasn't thinking and that I tend to, th- I'm a little bit of an overanalyzer. I'm going to be real with you guys. That's why I do all these things. Why I research all this stuff because I want to understand it. And so for me, like my mind never really ever like turns off. Now I'm at a point to where I can like train. I've trained myself to turn my brain off. Like I do meditation enough to where I can actually access presence whenever like at, at the drop of a hat, essentially, you know, and I'm not doing that to gloat. That's just like, and it, it did not happen overnight. I mean, I've been doing this show for like 10 years. So like, it took a long time for me to be able to do that so automatically, but it's because I knew that I needed to do that. I needed to access this place to be able to be in alignment with myself, with my truth, because otherwise my brain interjects my thoughts, my, the chatter gets overwhelming to where I like overanalyze every single movement that I make because I'm trying to do the right thing, right? Be the good girl, be the nice person, or to be like what I think that room or that person wants me to be. And I can't live my life that way. I I can't and I won't. And so what I do know, what I know for sure, Oprah, um, is that what I know for sure is that when I'm in presence, when I'm in flow, I'm not 
analyzing. I'm not trying to predict the reaction. I'm not trying to um, curate the experience for myself or anyone else around me. I'm just living in alignment with what's true for me in that moment and what I'm being divinely called to do. And it doesn't have to be extraordinary in that moment. It could just be like taking a left instead of a right or whatever. But like there's still an opportunity for us to be able to kind of tap into that more intuitive, that more receptive, that more flow state even within, you know, doing daily chores and other things like that. So, but the more that we cultivate it, the more that we practice it, the more that we kind of recognize what turns it on within us, then we're able to make it, it becomes more of um, just a common way of being. And that's why I encourage you, writing down a few ways that you do it and then becoming more practice. And I think a lot of times, and especially within the Japanese culture, it's this concept called ikigai. And that's actually what got me thinking about this. I'm reading a book on it right now. And actually, it's right here. Simple secrets to a long and happy life. If you're curious, I actually had a yoga student bringing this to me, which I was so grateful. Um, he's part Japanese as well. And so we started talking about this concept. He's like, are you familiar with that? I was like, yeah, very much so. And so we dove into it. And so I'm reading through it just because um, I've always wanted to read more. I've researched it online and such, but to read a full book on it, I thought would be um, kind of um, interesting and just like uh, thought provoking. So decided to go dive in, but, um, and that's where it started. It started with this plus eight. I was like, oh, this is so funny because this has always been something that's interests me and has been something that I've strive to be able to create more of within my life. And I think that ultimately, and you know, as you guys know, I'm a Dharma coach. So it's like ultimately finding your Dharma originates from finding what you find flow in, like living what you find flow in. And more often than not, how you find flow ends up translating into what your dharma is. It's your purpose. There's a reason why it becomes so natural. There's a reason why you enjoy it so much. There's a reason why you find a blissful state when you're doing it. And that's almost like the reward to keep going, to keep doing. And so um, Ikigai is actually this concept, though, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, that is um, really celebrated and encouraged within the Japanese culture. And it's about, it's, it's like your life purpose, but then they model it, they describe it as what the world needs, what you can be paid for, what you're good at, and what you love. So mission, vocation, profession, and passion. And the combination of all of those things is where you find ikigai, right? And so they talk about, so the book kind of dives into that, but it's like, okay, so how do you find this ikigai? How do you find your own personal purpose? And the way that you find that is like by investigating, by um, being curious about where you find flow, what intrigues you, what pulls you in, what pulls your heartstrings. I talked about this before, what lights you up? And when you are able to kind of like okay, drill down, you know, it's like, okay, parse through all the other things. Like, this is what really brings me alive. And then what, what are you passionate about? What do you love? Okay, well then how can I serve? How can I make this a profession? How can I continue to um, incorporate this into my life? And like, what am I good at? You know, like, because I think more often than not, someone that pursues this state of flow they have a passion, they have a drive, a motivation to become better at it over time. And once you become better at it, then it becomes more natural, it becomes more intuitive, it becomes more seamless and effortless, right? So kind of looping this all back around and it's like, okay, we find what we're, we enjoy doing with flow, 
then we figure out, okay, how can we create this? How can we let this be our profession? How can we let this be our day in and day out? And then that's how we serve. That's how we show up. And then if you think about it, it's not just a hobby that you're doing anymore. It's not just something that you do every once in a while on the weekends that you enjoy. It becomes your entire lifestyle. It becomes everything. It, it encapsulates everything, who you are, how you show up and how you're seen and how you're able to give back ultimately. And that's where I think we find true alignment with why we're here. That's where we find joy and peace. And I think that that's, and I'm happy that this came up because I think that the way I found peace and why, where I find peace is in presence. I, you know, I'm not anticipating what's to come next. I'm not thinking about what's occurred in the past. Like I don't have control over any of those things, but what I do have control over is what, what's going on right in front of me. And the more present and the more immersed I am into exactly what's going on in that exact moment, being where my feet are, the more that I am able to be at ease. And the more at ease I am, the more creative, the more receptive, the more joyful I am. And then I recognize, okay, who am I life? What am I doing? And how am I able to serve in order to create more ease? And then naturally I come from this like more um, supportive, loving state. And then I'm able to show up better in every other area. And so finding that purpose for you allows you to be in flow more often because it's why we're here. It's your destiny. It's literally what you're designed to do. And then we're, it just becomes natural. And then it's like each and every day you're living that truth, that Dharma. Okay. And so coming back to it. So it's like, okay, fair. You've talked about this and yeah, it sounds great. I want to, I'm all about, about that life, <laughs> about that action. But, um, how do you achieve it? How do you find this? And so you're like, I'm still lost on flow. If you're still lost in flow, don't worry, girl, I got you. Knowing what to do, knowing how to do it, knowing how well you are doing, knowing where to go if navigation is involved. Some people find it in sailing. Um, perceiving significant challenges, perceiving significant skills, and being free from distraction. So kind of like looking into Owen Schaefer of DePaul University said these are the requirements for finding flow. And it's like, just like kind of navigating through your life and just like being observant. When do I stop thinking about things? When am I just like time just flies by? It's like you're doing something for, what was it? Um, Albert Einstein said this, time is relative. You can put your hand on a hot stove and a minute can feel like an hour and you can be talking to a pretty girl and a or an hour can feel like a minute. You know, <laughs> oh, he's so charming. But um, <laughs> actually, I read his biography. Oh, it's right here. One of the best, side note, um, one of the best biographies, it's Einstein by Walter Isaacson. It was one of my favorite biographies I ever read. I'm also fascinated by Albert Einstein just because he was such a unique person within our history. And a lot of people don't know that he was not celebrated um, while he was alive. Like it took him, he was not accepted by the physics community. He, whatever he, what Newton had originally established, he was going, everything was going against that. So he was very much, you know, the first person that does anything is usually the one that people like rally against, but he um, changed the world. 
And um, by truly being himself, by finding his purpose within mathematics, but the creative and really trying to understand the divine as a part of it. And he was deeply spiritual. And I think that's something that a lot of people are not aware of and don't recognize that that was just as important to him as it was to be able to, um, you know, be in physics and everything else that he did because they were all intertwined. And I just find that incredibly inspiring. So nonetheless, I digress. I'm back. So what do you do? And like, then just like, kind of like drilling in, like, what do you want to become better at? What are you, what are you like motivated to become really good at? And like, what is the why for you? And why, you know, understanding your why with Simon Sinek really kind of like jumped into that and has become famous as like, you know, you can read, listen to his TED talk or he has a book on it. And it's like, um, starting with the why. And it's this idea of like understanding why you're doing something and what's that motivation motivation for you? What is the root cause for what's keeping you going? Even when things get hard, even when things aren't easy, even when you're challenged, when you fail, when you fall down, like, why are you getting back up? What's going to keep you on this path? Because more often than not, finding your ikigai or finding this flow state isn't going to be immediate. It's going to take time and a lot of trial and error. So recognizing that that's a part of the process and that there's no way around it. And if you understand why, then it allows you to be able to continue to forage ahead. And one other thing that I was reading within this book, which I, I found interesting was like always continuing to challenge yourself, but not overly so that you get anxiety or you get stressed out or you feel get discouraged by it, but not so easy to where you're bored and it feels like you're not even progressing, you know? So it's like that one step ahead to be able to um, kind of shift gears to be able to actually help you focus because usually when you're kind of you're challenged with a task it's like you got to just push a little bit so that you're actually still in it otherwise it's easy to get distracted or start thinking your to-do list you drop out of flow state because you're thinking you're like analyzing something or something else or you're like off in la la land somewhere and you're not paying attention to what's going on right in front of you and I know that also within my yoga practice was something like I, especially when I first began, it was so great because I felt like each class was accessible enough to where I was challenging myself. But then at the same time, I wasn't getting discouraged. I was actually showing myself what I could do when I never dreamed possible. And that's what kept me pursuing it further and further. And then, you know, exploring different teachers and understanding different styles. And to really, I personally think that really working with someone that knows you, that's trying to help you grow, that has achieved things that you haven't, that's able to usher you through the process, like a mentor, like that's really what mentors are create. You know, that's why like we are, we learn by modeling, you know, as a child, like we learn from our parents by watching them. So it's like, and them teaching us and over time, like how to be a human, right? How to live in society. And that goes for any kind of profession, any kind of skill set that you're trying to acquire, like usually evolves from having someone teaching you the ropes first, learning the foundation, and then finding your own version of it. Some people like to learn on their own and they don't want to be guided in any way. And I think that that's, there's value in that too. And exploring a craft in your own way and in your own unique expression, more power to you, definitely hands down, that's a part of it. But learning the ropes and having someone that's going to push you, that's going to be there, that's going to help you continue to evolve, I think is really key because I think that that's what keeps us on the path, right? It's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to get complacent. That's what keeps us pushing forward. 
So, but challenging yourself just that right amount. And if you have a mentor that's able to help you do that, that's an opportunity for them to kind of guide that process. But also that can be guided within your own true self, your own, you know, your own inner wisdom, your own inner teacher. And then from there, I think also just like recognizing the power of, um, you know, having an objective, right? So the next step of this is like, you know, checking in with your why, staying true to that, it being very clear, what are you trying to achieve and why are you trying to achieve it? You know, any leader of any great company, the reason why that company is great is because of the support and the, um, the workers that lift that leader up, right? But then it starts from the leader down, it trickles down into the rest of the company and the way that they live, the way that they present themselves and the why that is instilled within that deep mission of what that company is doing is usually what keeps workers interested, engaged, passionate, working hard. Like all of those things play a part because they understand there, you know, might be one, you know, cog in the um, wheel, but like that, all the cogs are necessary, right? For it not to break. And so recognizing and really instilling that in anything that you're doing and under like kind of being very clear about that is important. And if it's you finding your own personal purpose, it's like, why do I want to do this? Why is this important to me? And why do I want to continue to um, grow as an individual? And that could be a whole slew of reasons. So kind of honing in what that means for you, why it's important to you. And then from there, having that as a reminder when things get hard, you know, why am I doing this? Why do I continue? And finding that why I think is pivotal in the pursuit of excellence, because there's going to be tough times. There's going to be days where you don't want to get up and do it. You know, like we've all been there. There's been days where I don't want to get up and go to work. There's days where I get up and don't want to do nothing. So like anything. So like, there, there's going to be those moments, but like, and there's going to be times where it's like, you want to slack off or you don't want to try that hard or like, why does it matter? You know? And that's why we find the why, because it does matter because it is important because it is crucial for you to be the best at what you do. Right. And that's why I think it's so important to find this dharma, to find this purpose, to be able to hone into your unique reason for why you're here and why you're showing up and why you're continuing to grow. Okay. And, um, as we kind of wrap up this episode, you know, I think that the last thing is like being really clear on what the tasks are and breaking it down when things, especially if you're working towards a larger goal. So, okay, we have this objective, we know what we're trying to achieve and it can probably be a little daunting. Okay. We've all been there, okay? So I'm not trying to lie and say that that's not going to be the case. Like, you could be like, you have like this goal. Like, I want to spread inner peace. I really do. This has been my mission since I was in my early 20s. It came to me in a meditation and I've never really lost sight of that. So my why for why I created this podcast, why I teach yoga, why I teach meditation, why I even have a freaking Instagram is because I'm trying to help people find inner peace. Like I truly believe that we all have an opportunity to be able to find harmony within our souls. And so the way that I'm helping people do that is sharing knowledge, breaking it down. But like when I, especially when I was in my early twenties, I was like, okay, I want to like help people find inner peace. 
okay, well, that's a task. Um, <laughs> and so how do I do that? And so then it was like, okay, first things first, I love yoga. Yoga has helped me find peace. I've found presence within this. So I'm going to help people with that. I already had my degree in psychology that was already a part of it. I had a ton of trauma informed trainings that I've done. And so like that was all, but there was always these pieces that I was building that I was collecting, um, to be able to, really hone in what that meant and how I was going to serve my community. So then I learned, you know, got my yoga teacher certification. I started teaching, but then I had to become better at teaching yoga. So then it was practice. It was putting in the time. I was putting in the work, putting in the hours, putting myself out there, doing continuing trainings. Like I've done like four or five continuing like education training courses with just within teaching yoga. I've done yoga teacher training twice. Um, I've done like using my voice um, with um, Leah Zakria. I um, was like up leveling you as a teacher with Casey Peterson. Um, did that one a few years ago and really kind of like be more like concise with my instruction. And then it was about using my voice, being able to channel, to be able to share, um, be a little bit more descriptive and metaphorical as I was teaching. Um, you know, so then there's always, you know, there's, I had to get better to be able to really serve my students the way I knew I wanted to and how my teachers had taught me and what had been most important impactful for me within the yoga practice. And so all of that to say is that like it took, you know, I've been teaching for over 10 years now and that took, you know, being in classes, being able to understand different levels, access of like what they could do, modifications, how to sequence intelligently to be able to ensure everyone felt safe and empowered within the practice. Like there's so many layers that go into it to be a good teacher. And, um, it continues. I continue to try to become better. And if that's sequencing or even just using more creative phrasing when I'm cueing or switching it up or being receptive to what people want and being able to change up my sequence in a moment's notice to be able to just purely channel, to be fully embodied while I'm in front of the room and why I'm, you know, um, conducting a class is like all of these things that I've continued to learn. And, um, and I think that anyone that really wants to be good at something knows that that's the case. Like you never, you never plateau, or at least that's my goal. I never want to plateau. I always want to keep growing. And that is that. And so like, that's a piece for me to help others find peace. And so what else? So then I was like, okay, I w I'm really good with one-on-one. -on -one. That's where I find flow. I find flow and like meeting with people and talking to people, um, being able to connect on this really personal level and just being fully just like present to them, holding space for them. Like I think holding space is such a valuable skill set. It's something that I learned when I was um, in um, for Teen Link um, and when I was used to teach yoga behind bars. Um, and also like within my counseling background, um, and when I used to help with the peer to peer helpline, um, being able to just really sit there and listen to people and to validate them and to paraphrase and to really help them figure it out, but be there as, um, a container as we pursue that and asking the right questions. And then that translated directly into being a coach. So like, why have I done every single step within my life? It's to be able to reach this ultimate goal of helping others find inner peace, right? Like that's the purpose. That's my why. That's my dharma. That's my truth. That's what I'm trying to achieve. And all of these layers, all these pieces play a part within the ultimate goal. So if you figure it out, okay, I find peace. I find flow when I'm skiing. 
that's when I find it. I love it. There's something about it. It fuels me. There's just something. I access something deep within me and I am inspired. I'm on fire when I'm done. Bomb. All right. So what, how could you give back ski lessons? Obvious one, right? Or um, maybe you take people on ski trips and teach them how to ski and then help them learn how to navigate more difficult routes. Like you go on ski retreats and that's, you do them all around the world and you like also use it as a workshop as a help, way to help people like face challenges, face fears, um, as well as a way to build community, travel, adventure, all of it, right? Like, sorry, that just like came to me, but like whatever it is for you, like that's how you make it a profession. That's how you make it your life. That's how you live in what you're doing. That's how you give back in every facet of your, your being to what your ikigai is. Okay. So, um, kind of investigating this for you to be able to say, okay, what makes me find that flow state? What makes me lose track of time? What helps me just get out of my head? And then how can you encompass that the same things that I mentioned before, which is that mission, vocation, profession, and passion. If you want to um, Google Ikigai, you're more than welcome to I-K-I-G-A-I. If you wanted to get more of like a, a chart or a diagram on how to do it. And, um, or even, yeah, we can, if you wanted, we can do it right now. If, if you want to do it right now. <laughs> so writing down, um, I'm, do, I'm obviously doing these podcasts way too much by myself. <laughs> anyway, um, so writing down first things first, passion. What do you love to do? Again, writing down four or five things. What really does, what inspires you, what excites you, what lights you up and makes you feel energized. I feel like that's where passion, you know, the root of passion stems from. Mission. What does the world need? What is something, how could you give back? Like, what is a way that you could serve? What is an opportunity for you to be able to make the world a better place, right? That's associated with what you love. Or wait, we can keep, we'll keep that one loose. So it's what you love. And then another little circle, what the world needs. And then what can you be paid for? So thinking of these two, it's like, all right, uh, what can I be paid for? What, what is my skill set? What is my work history? What are skills and techniques that I've acquired over my professional history that could aid me in this? And just like in general, we're just going to keep this general. We're going to tie them all together next. What can you be paid for? That's the next one. And then what are you good at? So when people, they like meet you or they're around you or even ask your like friends and family, like, what do you, like, when you think of me, like, what do you feel like I'm really good at? You know, and that doesn't have to define you. And if they're like, not shit, you know, <laughs> don't take that personally because they don't know you. Um, and you're, everyone's good at something. Okay. So thinking about it for yourself, like, what do I feel like I'm really good at? But I, personally, what I know is I'm really hard on myself. So like, I always, I'm kind of like, I'm much better about it now, but I'd be like, well, I'm not like great at it. Like I'm not the best, like, you know, I'm no Deepak Chopra, but you know, like <laughs> nonetheless, like what do you naturally, like, what is a gift? What is your superpower? What's that thing that you're naturally inclined to be able to do that is, is somewhat effortless and you might just be a hair above the rest when it comes to it. You're, if you think like of a bell curve, you know, like you're one of the outliers in this particular area. Okay. Or a few, a few different areas. Cause you're good at multiple things. Okay. Don't, don't you forget it. 
So you got all these. So then once you kind of see this chart, so you have circles that are encompassing each of these topics or lists that you've like written below. And now find the commonalities. How can you infuse all of these together? What is something out there? And it can be something that doesn't exist. Don't think that you have to do what someone else has already done. Maybe it's something that's completely different than what anyone else has like offered out in the world. And like, aren't some of the best business ideas, things that don't currently exist? Like, why has no one thought of that? How many times have you're like, how has no one done this yet? You know, like that's it. And maybe that's what you are meant to do. Isn't that so beautiful? Isn't that so incredible? Like maybe the reason why you're here is to do that thing. Crazy concept, but it's possible. And it's something that might be that next step for you. So like breaking all of those down and then I think just to make it realistic, make it attainable, SMART goals. If you don't know about SMART goals, um, is it specific, measurable, oh shoot, the A, um, accountable, R, oh man, I've like looked these up. I used to do that I, every year for my um, New Year's, I always create SMART goals and I like break them down in this way because this is actually, it's like a Harvard Business Review thing. And it is one of the most like taught um, ways to like organize your goals. And um, there's a whole bunch of studies that have been shown that they're the most like effective in pursuing it. And so I just want to make sure I'm getting it right. So SMART. Oh man. I got all these lists. specific, measurable, achievable, attainable is what I've had in mind. Relevant, time-based. So kind of breaking that down or just Google's like smart goals and writing that down and then like thinking of what's three things I could do now to move that needle forward, to move that forward. Like what are three things that I can do in the next week or a month, if you want to do like week, two weeks, a month, three different goals, that time um, table here, that would allow you to be able to work a little bit closer towards that, you know? And I know that seems daunting. I know that's a lot to think like, oh, I'm just going to live my purpose or I'm just going to live this guy like overnight. No, probably not. But you can be clear about it. You can figure out your objective. You can um, research kind of different professions out there that might be a good fit for you. You could research trainings that would be able to give you the skills and the experience. Or you could volunteer to be able to like, okay, well, I've been thinking about this. I would always wanted to do this, but I've like kind of been scared or, you know, whatever. So go volunteer, go start doing it, go try it out, interview someone that does something along those lines, L like, like listen to them, ask them what they like about their job. What don't they like? What would they change if they could? What would they wish they could tell their younger self if they would have, um, you know, had this experience and knowledge 10 years ago? All of these things are completely accessible to you at any set time, but it's like incorporating this in a more effortless way. Bring it from a place of joy. Like, don't make it tedious. Don't make it like overwhelming. Like, oh, like, like you feel like you're obligated to do it. Like, don't do that because that's just not going to be enjoyable for anybody, including the people you're reaching out to. But breaking it down and thinking of just like three things you can do over this next month to be able to like. I don't know, explore, be curious and just like kind of figure out like 
how can you live in your in your dharma and your purpose and how can you kind of potentially you know work towards living in this flow state in all that you do yeah circling it all back around how do we find flow in every moment because that's truly what i feel like enlightenment means enlightenment like i believe that enlightenment is just being present 100 percent of the time being fully embodied in love in every single moment of every single day and again you're gonna have like good days and bad days we all do but i think the more that we like really tap in and dig into our love into presence into this moment as it is from a place of acceptance that we're able to you know really achieve some real some real incredible things to be honest like really remarkable and i'm um at at a point in my life where i feel very present most of the time and you know the impossible keeps occurring you know and like I just, and I'm just trusting, I'm truly trusting where I'm moving, how I'm moving forward, um, and letting my inner wisdom, my compass, my internal compass being the guide of that. And then the more I navigate through, it just keeps getting better. So I love you so much. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. And if you have any comments or questions or even thoughts, I would love to hear them sincerely. So um, if you want to find me on Instagram at Ferrachino, F-E-R-R-A-H-C-H-I-N-O, tune in with me there. Um, I have daily inspiration and different tips um, as well as clips from different previous episodes if you're curious. And then I also um, am on YouTube at um, Ferrachino, same username. Um, or you can check out my website and send me a direct email and that's coachingwithfarah at gmail.com or coachingwithfarah.com. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you once again for joining me and um, hopefully I will see you very soon. See you later.